Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Now, back to the morning spiel. Brought to you by Royal Water on WKMZ. Mia Margarita at Charles Point will host Bridgeport head coach Tyler Ferris for a weekly show during football season. Uh, for the fifth consecutive year, the team at Mia Margarita Coal-Fired Pizzeria is proud to announce they will host the weekly talk radio show featuring the head coach of the Bridgeport High School football team. The show will be anchored and produced by longtime broadcaster Travis Jones. The show can be heard uh, on the Bridgeport Indians radio network right here on WKMZ, found at 103.3 FM, uh, and they are proud to support... Bridgeport High School, and to welcome Travis and Tyler Ferris back to Mia Margarita. The Tyler Ferris Show for the 2023 high school football season actually underway already uh, today. It begins today. The show will air live from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on WKMZ, 103.3 FM, and live streamed on Facebook. That also means you can hear it at WKMZNews.com. All right, let's move Back into the phones, we've got Mike Osti of West Virginia Sports Now, managing editor there, covers the Mountaineers, covers Mountaineer football. And uh, Mike, first of all, welcome in. I know you're doing double duty this morning, uh, which might wind up being an actual literal uh, idea as you are. Uh, you're also playing the role of dad right now. I am. Yes. How are you, Alex? I'm yeah, good. I'm playing I'm good, the role man. of dad, although I, I do that every day. But yes, but do, do you have to do it when you're live on the radio? That's the real question. Yes, live on the radio talking WVU football, and my daughter is right here enjoying some pancakes, and maybe <laughs> she will make her radio debut. I actually have not had her yet on any of my shows, so if she can be heard, then you actually will be the winner. <laughs> broadcast debut in any way, if she does get on. Very good. Hey, let's uh, let's start off here. Uh, you're you're notoriously honest in your assessments of talent level, and I got to ask, how do you feel the talent level is for the offense coming into the season, and how do you feel the pieces kind of fit within the scheme? So the pieces 100% fit within the scheme for sure, and the scheme is also adapting to the pieces, which makes sense. This is going to be a team that it ran a lot more than people realize. Last year, even, like people see Graham Harrell air raid offense. Graham even talked about this last season. But it actually was an offense that still was driven by the ground game. When it had success, it was off the ground. C.D. Donaldson exploded. Tony Mathis had some yards. But it was also Jalen Anderson, etc. Justin Johnson Jr. They all got it done. But this year, they're going to take that and turn up the dial even more. So Graham is gone. Chad Scott's the offensive coordinator now. He was the run game coordinator of the past. He is still controlling the run game. Sean Regan is working with the quarterbacks passing, and Neil Brown's calling plays. Chad Scott is really still worrying about the running backs, and it's going to even be more of a run-heavy offense with the running backs I mentioned and C.D. Donaldson hopefully healthier and now a second year of doing it because before last year he never even played the position before. But then you add in a freshman in Jaheim White, even D.J. Oliver, They've been getting high praise. There are receivers they're going to count on, but they're question marks. A lot more inexperienced at their receiver position. They had to get a whole new room after losing players either to the NFL or to transfers. Devin Carter will be the one. He's never really put up big numbers as a top guy in the past, despite being very experienced and coming from North Carolina State. Cortez Braham, they, he was there last year. He's a the guy maybe who could step up and be at least the two. 
East, the incumbent, Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Ray, they're freshmen. Neil Brown just told us yesterday these freshmen are going to play right away against Penn State. He didn't expect that, but they're good enough, they're athletic enough, and they've proven themselves through the whole offseason. And for those guys, that included finishing a basketball season for Rodney in Western PA and Traylon finishing a baseball season. So they didn't even do spring ball. This is just off fall camp. That's how good they are. So this is going to be a run-heavy offense that will use receivers to move the ball. And also, Alex, and we didn't get to QBs yet, but also this offense is going to do something that I don't think West Virginia fans have seen, I'm being serious, in 20-plus years with Anthony Beck, who then went to the league and, as you know, had some time with uh, with the team he rooted for. He is now going to have the new era of Mountaineer football, and I mean Neil Brown bringing in Cole Taylor, transfer from LSU at tight end, and even a few others. They might run two tight end sets, and I 100% believe they are going to use the tight end position as a pass-catching tight end. Neil Brown's called Cole Taylor open by birth. He's a big man. <laughs> um, Traylon Davis is another one who's also a big man and changed his body. They are going to use the tight end to move the ball. So it's a run-heavy offense. It'll look different than last year, and you're going to use tight ends as pass catchers. Of course, a dual-threat QB, whether it be Garrett Green or Nico. So the offense actually schematically is going to look a lot different than last year, I'd imagine. And I do think these pieces do fit. There's question marks, though, with inexperience and how big they will play in a high-pressure environment right away. <laughs> in Beaver Stadium against Penn State on national TV. Yeah, and uh, I will say, uh, you know, it has not been, the tight end has not been a feature of Mountaineer offenses, but uh, I will say, let's not overlook another another former New York Jet, uh, another New York Jet tight end drafted by the Jets, Trayvon Wesco, who uh, had an interesting role in the Mountaineer offense. Uh, yeah, that, maybe yeah. that's the last one. Yeah. I would say Beck's the last one that really put a big number. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's so, fair. So, listen, I guess that means that if you put up big numbers as a tight end for the Mountaineers, you're going to get drafted by the Jets. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's let's move to the offensive line, and I'm curious your take on this. Do you buy into the idea that the offensive line is either already great or has the potential to be great? And I know "great" is a tough word because what what does "great" actually mean? But I guess you know we're thinking this is going to be a pretty a pretty good unit this year. I'm curious where you think they actually are. Do you buy into the hype? I definitely buy into the hype. Now, the first question is interesting because the reason why I buy into the hype and the reason why some nationally are even saying this is going to be a really good offensive line, and I've written about and others have talked about that if the offense has success, the unsung hero, as it is often for a football team, it'll be the offensive line. But I don't know if they overall as a unit have been great yet. Zach Frazier has been great. He's going to be great he's going to be in the league. Doug Nestor has been good, maybe really good. He could be more. Wyatt is there. He is likely going to be needed to step up. The way Hubbard is likely going to be needed to step up. His body is in much better shape, Alex. He actually talked about this a lot. He lost 100 pounds over the last year, and that's including putting some muscle on. So this is an offensive line that has tons of experience, I do think should be good and has veteran anchors that potentially are going to be in the National Football League. 
And you have tons of talent with a run-heavy offense, all these running backs, dual-threat QB, which Zach Frazier and company have all admitted having a dual-threat QB will make their life easier, and they actually don't even have to be truly elite, and they can make up for it even when they make mistakes. So this should be a very good offensive line. I don't think as a group they've proven themselves yet, so I know there are some that some outlets nationally put them in the top ten. Some other ones just focus on Georgia and Michigan and the Blue Blood programs that are in you know, the top ten nationally as a team and forget the WVU because the team's not getting love. That shouldn't matter, shouldn't bother them, because they really haven't proven it yet. But they should be really, really good this coming season. And Zach Frazier could end up being a first-round pick if he has a great year and this team wins and he ends up having an elite season. That's how much hype he's getting to this point. So uh, going and uh, taking a look at what we think is going to be the identity of the offense, which is going to be this sort of combination of the offensive line, which uh, we know talent-wise seems fairly high-end, but maybe not as deep as the running back position that's going to be led by C.J. Donaldson. We know Donaldson dealt with some injury issues uh, last season, didn't allow him to wind up finishing what was a very difficult campaign uh, for the Mountaineers. Fair to say, though, that the identity of this offense is going to be uh, facilitated through the running game, yes? Yeah, 100%. I don't think that's a secret. That's, that's what I alluded to in the open of the segment. It's definitely going to be a run-heavy offense. Now, you're going to have, obviously, as everyone knows, who's watched you know, one football game of their life, you can't just run every single play. This isn't 1950s. This isn't Navy. You're going to have to sprinkle in some, some passing in order to keep the defense on it. And they have some talented receivers. They are going to throw the ball. They are even, I would not be shocked if it runs. Maybe the QB, you know, makes a decision or two because there's going to be scrambling. There's going to be dual threat ability for both QBs, whoever's in there. And there's also going to be a situation where if it's even a pass, it could potentially be a short pass that moves the chains. And then once they're having success doing that, or maybe early in a game, early in a half, end the game, et cetera, if they are down, they then try deep. And there are receivers that maybe can get that done. But the short offense maybe will be where the tight ends are involved. This could be similar to a New England Patriots type of offense during their dynasty, to be honest, just off the top of my head. I, so you know who also they're are... definitely going to be run heavy and focus on the ground. If all of these running backs have bad right. years, then this offense is not going to be successful. But I think that the one position everyone can count on that will play well is the running back position. But, Alex, to be fair, they all played well last year, and the offense still struggled at times, and they didn't win that much. So, obviously, they need more. But he did Donaldson healthy, could even be better. His body's better. And I got to stress again, Jaheim White, freshman, he is getting love from every coach, everyone who breathes in the facility, from an intern all the way to Brown, is raving about this man and his speed. If the offense is clicking – I think they believe the offense can get big plays just off the ground with backs like Jaheim Wade breaking a hole or two from a three- or four-yard run for another back to a 24-yarder because of his speed. So that could be possible as well. Yeah, So and, and those are fair points. I guess the what, what kind of popped into my mind, I was actually thinking a little bit about, and this is going to sound outrageous in terms of when you compare where our expectations are right now versus where – 
this team ultimately finished. The 2016 Mountaineer team that won 10 games did it with a very, very disciplined approach and were pretty heavy on the right. I mean, you know, they would throw the football around, but they 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 were very, very disciplined. And uh, in particular, the play calling was very, very focused on establishing the run uh, as an identity there. And I, I wonder if, again, the defense doesn't look like it's going to be as strong. And, and we'll talk about that uh, actually with you uh, coming up later on in the next hour. Uh, the defense doesn't look like it's going to be strong as that 2016 team, but I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of formula there that if you were going to look back and say, here's a team that we would want to emulate, maybe it's that 2016 Mountaineer team that won 10 games and, and was extremely committed to establishing the run. Yeah, it could be possible. And not to say Brown is, is worrying about and studying film of past WVU teams, but I wouldn't be necessarily totally shocked because he actually has brought up that and as you know, has been the case throughout the history of the West Virginia program. And people nationally and even fans are obviously down on the program right now, but it is the 15th winningest program. It will be the winningest program in the new Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas in there. A lot of bowl games, a lot of success. And a lot of the time, when the successful seasons have happened, they were doubted, they weren't supposed to do anything, and they were in the midst of a season with pressure and things not going well, etc. So if you want to have a glass-half-full take on the year, Brown's fifth year, all the pressure that's on him that I believe you talked about earlier on this show, we're going to, and that's all clear, then yeah, maybe you look at that team that, that, that maybe could have a similar style, similar roster, similar pressure situation that maybe was on Dana then to still prove he had it, another big year in him. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be something to, to pull from. But obviously, all of this hinges on who's the QB, too. And yeah. I told you before, <laughs> I still believe this, even though Brown hasn't publicly said this. I do believe Garrett Green's going to start. I always did with his experience in that big game coming up. But whoever's in there, they've been clear. They will run the same offense, same plays, same style, like, this is not like when Garrett and JT Daniels were competing against each other, for example, or any other QB around the country on any other team. These QBs are very similar, despite one being right-handed, one being left-handed. It's all very similar. So you may see both earlier in the year. Brown alluded to that with me on my show, that he may actually play the losing quarterback of this battle as well some earlier than when they lose. Right. So It'll be similar either way, though. But, yeah, this will be more of what Mountaineer fans want. So, for better or worse, this will be closer to a dual threat. But it's not going to be Pat White's spread offense. Yeah. To pump the brakes there. We are, uh, we are low on time, which is no surprise. But uh, I, I, And I want to make sure we get to open phones for just a few minutes here at the end of the hour. But before I let you go uh, for part one of, of, of two parts with Mike Osti here during this show, give me your biggest surprise on the offense this year. Someone in camp at any position who's really stood out to you and why you think Mountaineer fans will come to know their name uh, and re- re- revere their name by October. Yeah, I mean, I already mentioned Jaheim White. I definitely think Mountaineer fans are going to get used to these freshmen, Jaheim White, Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Ray. Besides them, maybe Cortez Graham. I, I mentioned him earlier. He's the one carryover from last year's receiver group. He was like the number five guy that had 140-some yards last year that probably fans didn't hear of at all. He's going to be really relied on this year, probably be the number two, honestly, certainly earlier in the year. He needs to have 
you know, 500 more yards than a year ago if this offense is going to work. But he seems ready, and the coaches say he's ready, so we'll see. Mike Oste with West Virginia Sports Now. This is not the last time you'll be hearing from him. We're going to, uh, maybe in about, I think it's about 30 minutes. I'll double check the schedule. But in about 30-ish minutes, we're going to have him back on to basically go through the exact same uh, exercise we just did here, but on the defensive side of the ball with a defensive depth chart. So, Mike, appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we will, I, I can actually mean this when I say this, we will talk to you extremely soon. Okay. I thought you were going to do the, the we'll meet again. That yeah, well, I, I saved that for the end of the show. Okay. Yeah, right. we, no, we, you're right, though. That would have been good. See, I just didn't think of it. That, that's the thing. This is why they pay you the big bucks, Mike. All right. Uh, we are going to go ahead and hit this break on the other side. On the other side, we are going to uh, open up the uh, phones, 304-623-3865. Again, that's 304-623-3865. Also, if you uh, don't want to call in, themorningspiel at gmail.com. Also, you can pretty much tweet at us at the Morning Spiel Facebook uh, we've put up, you know, st- uh, statuses where you can share your thoughts. Want to know what you think about the Mountaineers this season? I am very, very curious to hear where your thoughts are. Uh, but we are going to open up the phone lines coming up here in just a moment. This is the morning spiel presented by Royal Water Treatment Mountaineer Football Preview on 103.3 WKMZ. We're here for another hour. Coming up, we'll be here until 10. Back to more of the morning spiel brought to you by Royal Water on 103.3 WKMZ. So the truth is, there's really no point in uh, beating around the bush. This was one of the worst scoring defenses in the nation last season. And uh, some of the top players uh, gone, some, you know, graduating, going into the draft, others through the transfer portal. And the uh, defensive talent, frankly, has been described as Mac level in one review. I believe that was Athlon Sports. Mike Osti is back with us, managing editor of West Virginia Sports Now. I actually titled this segment... Hold on, I, I have this. Uh, I have too many tabs open. Uh, let's let's actually let's pot Mike up there. Uh, I I titled this segment Mike better than a Mac team, right? Right, Bueller? Anyone? Yeah, that's 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 where I'm going with this. I mean, because ultimately that's what it's got to be, right? If if those are very low expectations, if you can beat those expectations, I I think you you know you want to say and and this is good because you you did the offensive depth chart with us as well, but just on a kind of a, a macro level with this defense, if you can exceed those very low expectations with what we expect the offense to do, this team is definitely going to be better than a 14th place finish. Yeah, a macro level. There was, there was no pun intended there. <laughs> no, that was I, that was not intended. It was just organic, man. It was all organic. I, I, I figured, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. So, in all honesty, for this team, not the defense, but the team, to get where they want to be, and I would say that that is certainly a winning season. That is certainly better than expectations around the country, that they're only going to win four games, and at minimum – that is likely a bold season to save Neil Brown's job and keep this moving, then the defense is going to need to be better than a MAC team. The, the MAC bar isn't going to be enough. And, yes, the defense doesn't have, as the defensive coaches call, they no longer have the Dante Stills eraser. That's literally what they say. They no longer have the Stills eraser because he would just make up for mistakes and he would get the tackle if it was missed by two or three other guys and he was dealing with double coverage but was still the best defensive player. He was a leader. He's gone, but I do actually think there's a path 
for the defense to play better than last year. But as you alluded to, the bar is low. I, I think everybody harps on how the offense was so disappointing. You bring in Graham Harrell with the NFL pedigree. You have JT Daniels, the big-time transfer. Bryce Ford Wheaton in the league. And the offense was supposed to be good, but the offense started out the season strong, but then it puttered away. What people don't fully talk about enough is the offense in the beginning of the season against Pitt and Kansas was hanging almost a combined you know, 90 points. The offense was good earlier in the year. They were 0-2 because the defense sucked. The defense was bad at the beginning of the season, and once they started picking it up, then the offense was really, really bad, and JT threw three picks. So they need to get in sync from start to finish. And the defense doesn't have stills, but I will say there are coaches, Jordan Leslie and the defensive coaches, believe the defense is deeper, if that makes any sense. They believe it's deeper because they believe that Sean Martin on the D-line, who now can step up and become a leader of this defense, He's been hurt in recent weeks, but he'll certainly be healthy by week one, that he can step up. And guys like Aubrey Burks can step up and now be the vocal leader of the secondary. And Dante Wright just yesterday has been waxing poetic on this guy on how he has NFL potential and he's in the facility, he's first person there, unlike before, and he's the leader now and he's the vocal guy and he's going to be a ball hawk and he's going to have a big year. And even PFF has him as one of the better safeties in the country. Actually, Anthony Wilson comes in as a transfer for the secondary. There is some experience that's coming in, Cobb coming in, other players, uh, Eddie V uh, from Finland. He's somebody that like Sean Martin could step up on the, on the D line that again, is looking really good at practice and the coaches think can really step up. So, it might be more of an experienced defense in some key parts. They did add transfers. They could be deeper. I think they can handle injuries more this year than last year because, again, they have more guys that have at least played solid college football, but they don't really have the superstar. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting unless Burks becomes that guy. But, I mean, I've heard a coach literally say that last year he felt like he had to teach general math to some defensive players, but this year he can teach calculus. The coaches believe these players are higher IQ and more elite level players collectively. We'll see. You hit on a couple of really big topics that I I definitely want to talk with you about, and uh, one of those is the secondary, which I, I feel like if you're looking for an area of improvement, on a team that almost overnight, I mean, during the the, the previous two seasons of the, of the Neil Brown era, the the Mountaineer defense had been had been excellent, especially in scoring defense. They had been really really stingy, uh, keeping it under twenty four points a game. I think uh, two seasons ago they actually kept it under twenty one points a game, which was uh, right near the top uh, of the NCAA, right in the uh, in the nation. And uh, almost overnight, the the script flips. I'm curious. Do you have an idea? Like, like, what's the biggest thing that went wrong last year? Is it the secondary? And then, what's the biggest thing to improve? Um, I yeah, the secondary was not good last year. I would say the biggest thing went wrong that went wrong last year. This actually has been talked about by Robbie Burks and others. Is the best player on the defense certainly in the secondary that's not named Dante Stills was Charles Woods. He's since transferred out and actually transferred mm-hmm. out in tons of drama where Neil Brown literally told me that he likes to defend these guys, but Aubrey, Bur- or I'm sorry, Charles Woods, and I quote, shut it down. So that, it went from him going to Big 12 Media Day to the coach saying he shut it down. And he got hurt in the backyard brawl. 
Burks and company have said that the defensive secondary did not have a vocal leader. And what I mean by that is, on the field, you need an audible, you look at the offense, they're switching it up, and there was nobody apparently there to properly communicate, hey, we got to do this, we got to do that. They didn't have that guy. They didn't have that mouthpiece on defense that you need in the secondary unit if things break down earlier and the linebacker can't be telling the secondary what their cues are. They didn't have that guy. So maybe that was as simple as the issue, that they were hurt, they didn't have a vocal leader, they had they lacked chemistry, they didn't have as much depth, and honestly, Dante still was double-covered on every single play. So I don't think guys like Sean Morton and Andy Lee were ready last year, and if Dante Stills is double-covered, then you, it's harder on him. That's how he still got into the league and was drafted, because his numbers were worse, but I, the scouts knew that, hey, he's double-covered, it's harder on him. So it, that was a perfect storm. They shouldn't have been as probably as bad as they were, but it was really, really bad last year, and I, I think it kind of snowballed. Once they had an injury, they didn't have a leader, guys weren't ready, then it was just like, oh, this is unraveling, there's no way to fix this midseason. Now they also missed a lot of tackles last year. Coaches put him back to fundamentals at the start of spring ball all the way till now. And from what we've seen in practice and what they say about the scrimmages, granted we weren't able to be there as media, they have not been missing tackles. So if they simply fix the fundamental tackle issue of all the missed tackles last year, they'd at least be better than last year right there. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, and I, I should have actually I should have added it all up. But I, I feel like if you're going to take a position on the defensive side of the ball that reminds you at all of the receiving core in terms of maybe lack of I don't want to say lack of explosivity because which is not really a word, but uh, <laughs> lack of explosiveness. Uh, you know, because the receiving the receiving room actually does have some explosiveness. What they lack really uh, is sort of collective experience. There's there's you know. Uh, pockets of it on the receiving core. I feel like the linebacking core. There's some. There's some similarities. There's not a perfect one-to-one comparison, but there are some similarities there. In in that there's probably not as much experience as I'm sure the coaching staff uh, would like. All things considered, uh, but I am curious if anyone's really stood out at camp. Anyone who you think. Uh, is probably going to, again, similar question to what we asked at the end of the offensive segment, uh, among that linebacking core, anybody who's going to really stand out to fans by the time we've we've hit you know, the end of September or into mid-October? Yeah, and the linebacker position, all of the linebacker spots on a defense are the prob- probably now still the biggest question marks because even though the secondary was a question mark from last year, they did fill pieces through the secondary, through the transfer portal. And, and by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Beanie Bishop. I, I think if this defense has a good year, if the secondary has a good year, if they beat Penn State somehow, which I'm not predicting, and if they certainly beat Pitt, that might be more reasonable, win Big 12 games. I think Beanie Bishop's going to have a few interceptions, going to have some big plays, and he runs some back. He also could be their turner on special teams. Beanie Bishop is a stud, so he's a name Mountaineer fans are going to need to know and be familiar with. If they're good, and Beanie, by the way, is not his real name, it's Shannon, and that's off Beanie Baby from when he grew up. But back to the linebackers, yeah, it's tons of inexperience there. I don't think the coaching staff feels those guys are as ready as they do the backups of last year on the D-line and secondary that are now going to step up. I don't think they feel that you know Lathan and Cutter and those guys are ready but one name that's been around that's been good, maybe he could be great from what we're hearing at camp and what 
going on at practice is Lee Copa. I, I think he's one that really could step up and have a solid year. He has hopes of getting to the league. It's probably a long shot, but he would need this to be a big year, and he's going to have opportunities to certainly rack up some tackles because once it gets to that level, if it breaks down defensively on the D-line, he is the most veteran and elder statesman of that group then. So he would be somebody that I would say, again, would need to have a big year. A lot of players need to have big years that could have big years for this team to be good, and it's possible. But he's somebody that's brought up a lot that I think has that veteran know-how and is a real physical player. They're, they're a much more physical team this year defensively, and they've been more physical at practice this year by design from Brown. So that is also good. That is a perfect segue to my next question, Mike. And, and a reminder, we have Mike Oste of West Virginia Sports Now, managing editor, covers Mountaineer Sports for West Virginia Sports Now, also hosts the Mike Drop podcast. I can't believe I, I hadn't mentioned that yet, uh, but that one is worth checking out. A couple of really good episodes, including a uh, uh, an interview a few months back with head coach Neil Brown, but uh, I digress. Uh, perfect segue, because I am curious, is that physicality, is that renewed physicality, that improved physicality, is that, in theory, when things are going right, is that the identity of the defense this year? When things are going well, is that who they are? That is what the coaches want them to be. And that is, if this season goes well, if the defense plays well, that is what they will be, that is what they need to be. And this goes from what Neil Brown has said, to Jordan Leslie has said, to Dante Wright has said, to Shadon Brown has said, they want physicality. And Neil Brown, Alex, has literally said, to paraphrase, but this is basically the quote, I wanted our team to be as physical as the rules would allow. Like, <laughs> they, 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 they clearly have a regret of last year. Neil Brown has talked about this a little bit, that I think they think they coddled them too much. They were worried about getting certain guys injured. They were worrying about getting Dante Stool to the league, etc. This year, they are worried about the team, as they really always should be, and they are they are looking to be very, very, very physical. So they have been physical at practice. Even even Dante Wright actually talked about with Anthony Wilson, uh, the transfer, that he literally had to pull him aside, including some of his early practices, because they didn't say who the, I believe it was Cortez Graham, but Anthony Wilson stepped on the practice field and laid out one of the receivers and then talked about how he's idolized Carl Joseph and wants to get a highlight reel tape like Carl Joseph had against Oklahoma years ago, and it's his lock screen. And Dante Wright had to pull him aside and say, uh, wow, he's on our team. We need him. Do that to the opponent, but make sure you don't get a penalty when you do it. Like, that is the physicality they want for this team. They could lead to a lot of penalties, <laughs> um, but they need to do it within the rules. But, yes, they should be more physical whether it goes well or not, actually, they should be more physical, and they have been more physical, which I think is another thing that could help them not miss as many tackles and at least be more fundamentally sound. Let's uh, let's wrap this segment here. We'll finish it the same way we finished the last one, and I, I did kind of ask this question uh, specifically about the linebackers, but let's, let's open it up to the whole defense now. Is there a guy on this defense that's going to play with the type, you know, and we've seen this so many times in the past where, you know, a certain player just kind of captures the hearts of Mountaineer fans, whether it be a Stills brother or like a Kaiser White or or a Carl right. Joseph. Uh, and these are varying degrees of, of talent levels. Some of these guys are NFL guys. Some of them uh, are not. But we have seen this year in and year out where there's kind of one guy who just kind of immediately falls, winds up 
kind of emerging into the pantheon of beloved fan <laughs> fan players. Yep, you, you think there's a guy like that on this team? Will one emerge? I think one that could emerge that fans are really going to like. I don't think he's going to be winning any individual awards or be an all-big 12 player, but I think he could have a good year he's been around as Eddie D again. So he's from Europe. He, he's come over to West Virginia. He's dealing with an American culture shift, and now he's stepping up and getting a much bigger role this year. In interviews, we've been getting him a lot more this year than even last year because obviously he's going to have a bigger role. He's just a fun-loving guy that actually knows the language pretty well, and he's a really, really nice young man. I think fans are going to embrace him as a player to root for once they hear more from him. However, I would say one player that I think is going to have a really, really big year that could be elite, especially if this team is good, that has admitted he's never got enough of an opportunity. He transferred to a Big Ten school last year in Minnesota, but they didn't give him the opportunity he thought that they were going to give him, kind of claims they sold him a bill of goods. and He's going to be on defense and special teams. I mentioned him before, Beanie Bishop. This defense and this team will not be a bowl team unless Beanie Bishop has probably at least three interceptions. Probably is going to lead to some defensive scores if they win. He is a personality-driven defensive back who wants his hands on the ball, Alex. He wants to be a returner. He wants in the end zone as a player on the secondary. You have him and Burks as vocal leaders. They are both players with now major conference experience on that group. If he is healthy, I think he's going to be fun to watch. And I'll say this is a hot take. If they beat Pitt, Beanie Bishop has an interception, might even be run back. Because Phil Jerkovich throws a lot of picks, and Beanie Bishop and Aubrey Burks are ball hawks, and they're ready. So, again, we'll see. It's hard to predict all of this for a team that's supposed to win four games only. I'm not saying I think they're going to go ahead and win ten. I probably think six is a ceiling, too. But I think these players are going to be fun to watch and maybe more fun than last year, even if they only win one more game. All right, hey Mike, uh, do you want to stick with us through the next segment? I know you're, like I said, you're you're kind of double dipping in uh, in <laughs> doing this show at the same time as <laughs> I probably could do a little bit of the next. segment. Okay, Myla's actually cooperated. She's not gone on air though, unfortunately. So we'll have her <laughs> debut another time unless she butts in here soon. But yeah. I, I probably could. Okay. Well, she's got about she's got about you know uh, seven minutes or so. Uh, we're going to take a little three minute break here, but oh. she's probably got about seven minutes or so to make her debut. If she so desires. All right. Why don't we do this? We're going to step aside here for a break. We'll keep Mike on the line here. Uh, but one quick note, folks, coming up next, what we're doing is uh, we're going to we're going to take a step back off of West Virginia and look at the rest of the Big 12. You've heard me allude to it multiple times. And I'm sure at this point you have probably read many of these stories. Uh, it has not been a pleasant offseason, though plenty of bulletin board material. Uh, if you're Neil Brown. A lot of bulletin board material in that locker room because uh, pretty much everybody is predicting, as Mike alluded to, everybody's predicting you to finish uh, near the bottom. And that's what we're going to chat about is the Big 12 as a whole in this next segment. This is the Morning Spiel preview of Mountaineer football going right up until 10 presented by Royal Water Treatment. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Improving the start to your day with the Morning Spiel weekdays on 103.3 WKMZ. We are going to open up the phone lines in the next segment, 304-623-3865, 304-623-3865. So just a reminder there, because I want to hear what you have to say. We've got some comments on the uh, from, from you know, the digital community we're going to read during the next segment. A reminder that uh, the Tyler Ferris Show for the 2023 high school football season begins airing tonight on this station, WKMZ, the 
home of Bridgeport football, of Bridgeport athletics, the Bridgeport Indians radio network, and uh, the show tonight, Travis Jones and Tyler Ferris, uh, 17, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. tonight, and uh, it can be heard right here. Also live streamed on Facebook, uh, so check that out, WKMZnews.com as well. You can also go, you know, you can, you can see it live at, at Mia Margarita. Uh, okay, so what we're doing is we're going to open things up a little bit in the Big 12. Mike Osti still with us from West Virginia Sports Now. And the Big 12, uh, which is 14 teams this year, which is temporary because, as we know, the conference is uh, continuing to evolve and realign or consolidate, uh, pick whatever term you want to use. But uh, ultimately, coming into this season, the expectations right now of the Mountaineers pretty much universally picked to finish last in the 14-team conference, and that includes behind all of the newcomers, obviously. Meanwhile, Texas, the preseason darling for so many years, has once again been selected as a preseason favorite to win the league, despite the fact, and this being their uh, final season in the league, uh, but this despite the fact that, as Athlon Sports has noted, I'm going to bring up the actual quote here, I love this, uh, meeting preseason expectations has been an issue in Austin. It's not even the full sentence, but it's perfect for it's perfect for me, Mike. Uh, I, I like. I, what do you think? I mean, Texas. I, I, I get why. I get the hype, and uh, I understand why folks. Bad. Yeah, but on stage the last time they won a big game five years ago, winning the whole conference. I, I'm not sure I'm buying this. The thing is, I will say I'm a Big Twelve voter, so I did vote Texas as the Big 12 champion, like everybody else, and I totally get that Texas has not been back in a very long time. And even while people are saying Oklahoma's down as they go to the SEC, they've at least been a national contender for every year except for last year. Texas has really not been that for, again, five-plus years. However, TCU is, I think, going to come a little bit more back to the mean. They're going to be a contender, but last year they were the national runner-up. They beat Michigan. They were in the playoffs. It's very hard to believe they're going to do that again. They actually have the quarterback that Duggan, who was the quarterback last year that took them that far, lost out to a year earlier. He's now actually going to be the guy finally now in Morris. So we'll see. There's a question mark on TCU. Kansas State, they're going to be run by another running back in Ward. They're usually a ground-and-pound team with explosiveness. They might be another team that could win the conference. They did win it last year over TCU, despite how good the Horned Frogs were. So it's really between those three, I believe, to win the Big 12. But I don't believe TCU is going to be as good. I think Kansas State could win it again, but they're probably not going to be as good. And I don't think anybody else really is going to jump up there and win the conference, even though I do think there are going to be a lot of ranked teams like last year. West Virginia played five ranked teams in conference. There could be five ranked teams, top 25 in the Big 12 this year. I don't know how many of them are going to be in the top 10 or top 15. The only preseason top 15, I believe, is Texas at 11 with the AP. So the door is open for Texas with maybe the elite level of competition, despite competitive depth that Brett Normark will sell. I don't think the elite level is there like it was last year. This should be, and they have the best quarterback in Quinn Ewers. This Texas team, talent-wise, and the landscape should do it. But as you said, they have had the most talent. They have been able to do it before. It's been a while, and other years they've disappointed when they were supposed to do it. So you don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, do you have a wild card or an X factor that's standing out to you as someone who could kind of throw, I don't know, a wrench in the gears for what the preseason predictions look like? Well, obviously, I mean, this probably wouldn't be my overall pick, but obviously West Virginia is a team that could do that. I mean, they're picked last in the conference. They're supposed to win four games. The over-under betting line-wise is four and a half. If they get to even six wins and get bowl eligibility in Cape Brown, which I do think they would keep them at six wins, that would probably throw a monkey wrench in the conference, Alex, because that would likely mean they won another conference game or two, figuring they're going to lose to Penn State. And even if one of those wins is fit, they got to win another one in conference. So... That right there would be a monkey wrench. If everything I said and others have said goes well for West Virginia and they went six or seven instead of three or four, that would be a monkey wrench team. Outside of the Mountaineers, Oklahoma State might be another one. I mean, they always have talent. Mike Gundy always makes them a contender. They usually are another team that is really strong early in the season and that disappoints at the end. Last year was kind of an off year where they just were not good and they collapsed. The Mountaineers even beat them at the end when their season was over. Mike Gundy's too good of a coach to have another year like that. So I'm assuming they're going to be better. And then another team is leaving the conference. Oklahoma was horrendous last year. The run defense was so, so bad. That was why Garrett Green was so great in that, in that debut start. And West Virginia finally beat them in the Big 12. Oklahoma's going to be better as well. There's no way Oklahoma's going to miss a bowl game with that much talent and be that bad again. So if you're giving Oklahoma a couple more wins, you're giving Oklahoma State a couple more wins. If people think West Virginia is better than expectations, that's two more wins. That really messes up the preseason predictions. But as Neil Brown did say, and to be fair to myself and my colleagues, the preseason Big 12 media predictions have almost never been correct. It's like trying to predict the NFC South. So <laughs> it's going to be different than what we've said. And some of these teams are going to do more than they're supposed to. Other teams are going to disappoint and do less. It might have more competitiveness, more depth, more ranked teams than even last year. Can any of them do TCU and vie for national title? Probably only Texas. And if they disappoint, probably no. But they should, again, have another year where the Big 12 has a lot of ranked teams, a lot of quality games, a lot of competitiveness, and churns ratings for their you know as they get towards a new tv deal and a new conference etc what are you uh we're going to get out of here in a second mike what's uh what's coming up on the mic drop podcast so coming up i do have a preview on west virginia's penn game against penn state for week one gonna have a season preview of my own and we're also going to probably touch with a former Steeler player or two on what's happening for the Steelers in the, in the Pittsburgh region as the NFL season kicks off. I will promote and say that it's already up there on the feed. It's been up there for about a week, but talked all things conference realignment, all things conference realignment, in a really in-depth show that was longer than I wanted, but it was really, really good. I couldn't cut it down with Shayon J. Roger of CBS Sports. We did it all. So, And that includes SMU and like why they would want to go to the and take zero dollars for seven years. We got into all of that. I think there's a really, really good show. He's a really, really smart guy. That's one that I would, I, it's pretty much evergreen now, and I, I would check back into that one if you want to kind of learn about the future of college sports and where we are now. But, yeah, a lot of things coming. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, tune in. Mike drops there. And then, of course, WV Sports Now. We got a season happening. It's now football season after it feels like it's been basketball season, at least news-wise, forever. So we are we are going to kick it off, and, and rubber will meet the road for Neil Brown in West Virginia. Yeah, can you believe it? Actual sports, instead of talking about uh, everything that has been going on with the basketball right. season and the fallout from 
the events of May and June. So yeah, actual things happening on an actual field or playing surface. That's exciting. Mike, I really appreciate you were a big part of the show today. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking to you a lot, I'm sure, throughout the course of this season. Yeah, absolutely, man, for sure. And when I'm not babysitting, I got to come in there and do one of these in person. But yeah, yeah, and, and it depends on how things go, of course. The, the odds are right now the Vegas line has Brown as the first coach to be fired. So we might get back to talking off the field stuff if things go so well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, tell Mila I said thank you. She was she was a fantastic uh, shadow shadow guest uh, on this, on this yeah. episode. Yeah, yes, Mila. Alex says thank you. She's <laughs> There you go. Love, right, love it. All right, Mike, we'll talk with you soon. See you, man. All right, uh, folks, that's Mike Osti of the uh, West Virginia or of West Virginia Sports Now and of the Mike Drop podcast. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast. Let's hit one final break, and then we'll uh, we'll do some more comments, open the phone lines for just a few extra minutes here at the end of the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.